while they receive the offering, go ahead and pull out your Bibles to Galatians 5. Galatians 5 is where we're going to be this morning on page uh, 1077. Galatians 5, uh, page 1077. We are beginning a new series this morning on the gifts of the Spirit. A brand new series uh, on the gifts of the Spirit. This is a great time. Uh, If you are new to Flourishing Grace, or maybe you've been here for a long time and you are not in a small group, this is a great time to get in a small group, right? When we're transitioning from one series to another, it's a great time to kind of sneak in and be like, hey, I'm new. Um, Let's let's learn something new together. And so if you're interested in a small group, uh, Jake, who is our volunteer uh, small group coordinator, will be out by the TV in the lobby right after this. Grab Jake. He would love to give you all the information on uh, when they meet. Uh, small groups, for those of you who might not know, are, are Bible studies that meet in homes every single week throughout South Davis County, from, from North Salt Lake all the way up to Layton. And so we can find one that meets on the night of the week that's most convenient to you and the, and the location that's, that's best for you. So you can plug in, you can find relationships, you can find a biblical community uh, that, to engage in every single week as we unpack this uh, together each week, the gifts of the Spirit, right? Now, for some of you, I realize right off the bat, when I say Spirit, you're like, oh man, where are we going with this? What's going to happen? I don't know what to do. Relax. It's going to be okay. It's going to be awesome, actually. It's going to be a great series. It's going to take us all the way up to Easter. And I believe, I do believe, that if you lean in just a little bit, if you just lean in a little bit to this, that if you kind of commit to say, man, I'm going to be here, I'm going to learn about the gifts of the Spirit, that it will have a profound impact on your life, on your family, on your friends, from this day on, I, I, I guarantee it. I guarantee it. If you lean into this, it'll change a lot for you. In fact, it could change everything for you. Now, some of you might say, why now? Why are we diving into this now, this kind of supernatural gifts of the Spirit? What does this mean for us as a church? Well, for those of you who have been with us, right, for the past eight weeks, we have been pouring into deep biblical truths of what the church is supposed to be, what it's supposed to look like, what the church is supposed to do. We've unpacked these ordinances of the faith. We've unpacked what biblical worship looks like. We've unpacked what the gospel, um, how the gospel shapes and forms and molds the church. I talk about how the, the, the word of God is the ballast of the church, right? If the church is, is like a boat, the word of God is the ballast that keeps us upright, right? When storms come, Right? A storm can completely capsize a sailboat, but the ballast pulls it back down as the buoyancy pulls it up, right? And so in the midst of a storm, the ballast keeps us upright. No matter what happens, no matter what comes, the Word of God acts as this weight that counters everything that culture and the world might throw at us. And so we've been done this hard work of building a beautiful vessel, a, a boat, Right? We've done the hard work of saying, man, what are the, the, the planks of the ordinances, the, the mast of worship? What does the Bible teach us? How do, we, how do we refine this thing into a seaworthy vessel? How do we build a healthy church? So if you've been here for the past eight weeks, that's what we've talked about. If you missed some of that, I want to encourage you to go online and, and catch up on that series. I think that that weight is important for where we're going next. The weight of what the church is biblically is important for where we're going next. The whole good doctrine and theology around the church matters 
as we move into the gifts of the Spirit. Because here's why. We shape and we mold this beautiful vessel. We're ready to go. We push it out into the water. We say, hey, let's go flourishing grace. Let's go, right? We know everything. We, we know it. We know what it's supposed to look like. We know what we're supposed to do. We know uh, how, to, how to sail the boat. Let's, let's, let's throw the sails of faith and let's go. Well, you'll learn quickly. It doesn't matter how fast your boat is or how cool it looks. If the wind doesn't blow, it doesn't move. And so we cling to these deep theological, foundational truths of the church. And now we're going to say, Spirit, would you blow? Would you move us? Would you make the wind blow? In our individual lives, at home, with your family, with your spouse, at work, wherever you are in your individual life, and for us at Flourishing Grace, would this be an exciting time of life and ministry as we cast the sails, not, not in vain, but trusting and believing that the Spirit of God is going to produce the power that is going to move us forward. You see, for so many of us, for so many of us, we spend our days, we spend our lives trying to move our own lives forward spiritually. We, we know these truths. We've read our Bibles. We've gone to church. Maybe you grew up going to church and you, you know these theological truths. You know what you're supposed to do. And so you work to do it. You say, I, I'm going to do it. Or for some of you, I've actually heard you say this. It's like, this is too much. What the Bible requires of me, what my faith in Christ requires of me is too much. I love Jesus. I love going to church. But I just can't do all of these things. And so I, I'm just not going to do it. Others of you are type A. You're like, no, no, no. I will do it. And so you've got your checklist and you do it all. You're like, check, 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 check. Right? And what's happening is either A, you wake up, you find yourself exhausted by the work. Or you find yourself in this rhythm where you're doing it all, you're doing it all, you're doing it all, but it's just become this meaningless, mindless checking of the boxes of religion, and there is no fire, there is no intimacy, there is no power. You have just been blowing your own sails. You are moving through life just... Right? And you're like about to, about to black out, you're seeing stars, like, and nothing is happening. It's a waste of time. In our churches, we do this too. I have friends who are pastors who find themselves exhausted by the work of ministry because they're trying to move the church on their own power. Like maybe if we just throw another program at the sails, it'll move us forward. Maybe we create a new initiative, a new idea, we'll throw it at the sails, it'll move us forward. Maybe we build a new building, we'll throw it at the sails, it'll move us forward in like inch by inch inch, they kind of crawl along, and then something happens, they move back like 10 feet. There's no real power. There's no real might, because they're trying to do the work on their own. Friends, in your life, whether you realize it or not, you are desperate for the Spirit of God to produce the power of God in your life. And that's what the gifts are. As we're going to see over the next few weeks, that the gifts of the Spirit are the power of God being manifested in our lives and in the church. But this morning what I want to do is just lay a foundation 
to lay a foundation for us. I want to ask a basic question. Who is the Holy Spirit and what does he do? Who is the Holy Spirit and what does he do? Basic foundation before we can dive into these gifts and figure out, man, what does this power look like? And how do we, how do we, how do we receive this power? And how do we know if we receive that? Before we dive into any of that, we've got to start 101. Who is the Holy Spirit? What does he do? Okay? And so we're going to look at the Word of God from Galatians 5. Galatians 5, and if you would, um, we believe this is the Word of God that holds all authority over our lives and all the truth that we need to live life. If you are able, would you stand with me as I read it for us this morning? Galatians 5, we're going to pick it up in verse 16. Paul writes to the church in Galatia, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, divisions, dissensions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law, and those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with his passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. This is the word of the Lord. You all can have a seat. As I read those lists for the the list of the, the works of the flesh and the fruit of the Spirit, if we're honest... Many of us in the room, we read the, the works of the flesh, we read things like anger and envy and jealousy, these, these desires of the flesh. That we see those in our lives. We see those in our lives every day. We're seeing those and we're, we're producing those. And when you look at the, the, work, the fruit of the Spirit, those are the things that we're constantly trying to get better at. We're constantly trying to work harder towards and say, man, I want those things. But I'm not naturally producing those things. And that's right. That's absolutely true. It's absolutely true. And so this morning, I want to I kind of unpack that idea. Why is it that I naturally, I'm naturally jealous. I'm naturally envious. I'm naturally, anger comes natural to me, right? I have a one and a half year old. Anger comes natural to him. He's good at it, right? From the moment he's born, he's good at that, right? But, but kindness and gentleness and love and joy, those are the things that we're, it's a work towards. It should not be that way, friends. For those of us who are in Christ, it should not be that way. So let's answer the question, who is the Holy Spirit and what does he do? Who is the Holy Spirit and what does he do? Well, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit is God, okay? First thing, the Holy Spirit is God. And what does he do? He helps 
Holy Spirit helps us have a flourishing relationship with Jesus by leading us to a greater level of freedom from sin, giving us supernatural Christ-likeness and supernatural mission-advancing gifts while guiding us down life-giving paths. Okay, that's what we're going to see, okay? This week and over the coming weeks, we're going to see the Spirit doing those things. So the first thing is this, that the Spirit is God, okay? The Holy Spirit is God. He's fully, completely, totally God. He's not, he's not less than God or step below God. He's, he's, not, a, he's not a power of God. He, he, is, he is completely, totally, fully God in every way, okay? And so this is confusing for some, right? Because we believe, we know that there's only one God, right? We see in the Bible again and again and again and again that there is only one God. God is one singular. There, there, there is one monotheism, one, one singular God. Not many, not multiple. We are not like him. We don't become like him. We are not gods. We were never gods. We will never be gods. There's only been and only ever will be one singular God. And yet we know for all time, this God has existed, for all eternity, this God has existed in a community of persons. And for some of us, this is so hard for us to wrap our minds around. Right? We've named these persons, we, we've done this work from, from the Word of God, we've named them, right? God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit. And so we see these three forms, right, these three distinct persons manifested at different times, okay? And the Holy Spirit is one of those persons. He's, he's not an it or a blob or a mass or a ghost, right? That, that, that language, holy, holy ghost, is just, just weird and wrong, okay? Right? He's not a ghost. He, he's, he's not, he, he is a, he's a person. He has an intellect. He has feelings. He has a will, right? All of these things. He is, he's a per, not a human being, but a person, okay? Those are two different things. So we have a hard time with this because we think that in some way, shape, or form, God must be like us. He must be like us. He must fit into our laws of physics and biology, right? Which is, which is a silly idea. It's a silly idea, right? Why would the Creator fit into the laws of His creation? Why would that ever be? Why would that? That doesn't make any sense. If I created something that was like me, right? We're created in the image of God that bears my image in some way, right? Let's say I created a mannequin. Like I, I, I poured a plastic mold and I painted this mannequin to look like me, which would be terrible because I'm not that good at painting. But let's just say, let's just say I, I could, right? Um, I, I made the mannequin look like me. I gave him some scruff. I gave him huge bulging muscles because that's clearly me. <laughs> dashing good looks. No, I make the mannequin look like me, right? Is the mannequin like me? Sure. Am I like the mannequin? No. No. In no way am I like the mannequin. I'm made of something completely different. I'm a different substance. Everything about me is different than this mannequin, other than some basic, basic, basic fundamental aesthetics. Okay? Everything about me is different. The substance of my body, everything, my, my, my mind is different. My will is different. It doesn't even have one. It's completely different from me. And yet some reason we think a God must be like me. He must fit in my mold, in my mind, in my understanding of what he should be like. He's not. He's beyond us. He's beyond us. 
And so what he's revealed to us in the Word of God is that he exists in three different persons, and yet he's only one singular being, one singular God. And one of those persons is the Spirit. The Spirit. Now, sometimes we refer to the Spirit in different language, right? So the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Christ, the Holy Spirit, or just the Spirit, all the same. All the same. In fact, Paul in, in Romans 8, verse 9, says it this way. He says, you, he's talking to the church in Rome, you, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you, all right, there it is, the Spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. All right, so even in one verse, Paul refers to the Spirit in different language, right? The Spirit of God and the Spirit of Christ. Both the same, both the same thing, right? Um, so we see this again and again and again throughout Scripture. That the Spirit is fully, completely, totally God, and yet is this distinct person. It's a distinct part of who God is. The same substance, the same makeup. That text in Romans 8 reveals that He's living in us. He's living in us, working to manifest His power in our lives, right? Christ knew that this was the better way. He knew this was the better way. He says to his disciples in John 16, 7, Jesus says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. So the Spirit kind of at the base root level, is a helper, exists to help us. And what Jesus knows and what Jesus understands is, is that this is better than if he was actually physically here. So many times we think, I mean, I've thought, wouldn't it be awesome if Jesus was still here? And he rose from the grave but never ascended to heaven. Like he just walks through. Everybody would believe. Everybody would see the miracles every day. We'd be like, this is, this is awesome. But what Jesus is saying is, listen, I cannot be with you in, in the physical flesh. I can't be with you 24-7. I can't be everywhere. But if I die on the cross, if I cover your sins with my blood and I impute my righteousness to you, I can take up residence inside of you. The Spirit of Christ, I can come live inside of you and I can be with you 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, doing the same things in your life that I would be doing in bodily flesh form. Do you hear that? Christ wants to do the same thing in your life that he would do if he was in the room. It's, I think for many of us, like that's hard, that's hard for us to, to, to think about. I mean, Christ healed the sick. Well, one of the gifts of the Spirit is healing. Christ prophesied. One of the gifts of the Spirit is prophecy. Christ wants to produce the same power that he produced in his fleshly human form. He wants to produce it in your very life. That's what the Spirit wants to do in you. He wants to be with you where you are 24 hours every single day, engaging and helping you, helping you move forward. Ultimately, the Spirit of God wants to help you with 
your relationship with Jesus. He wants to develop in you a greater level of intimacy with himself. This is key. This is so important. The Spirit of God, the Spirit of Christ, wants to develop in you a greater level of intimacy with himself. That's what he wants. That's the will of the Spirit, is to produce within you an intimacy with him, that that you would know him, that you would love him, that you would engage with him. All of your waking moments, moment by moment, that you would be engaging with him in an intimate relationship. He wants, you to, he wants you to know him by giving you an understanding of his word. He wants to give you a greater understanding of the word. Some of you, you read your Bible, you're like, guys, this is so hard to understand. Right? Paul says that the church in Corinth in 1 Corinthians 2, 13 through 15, he talks about this idea that the, that the word of God is a supernatural thing and that the spirit helps us to understand it. The Spirit of God gives us understanding, right? Without the Spirit, it's, it's foolishness, it's folly. And so we're trying to do it on our own rather than allowing the Spirit and, and inviting the Spirit to help us understand it so that we might know Him better. He says, I want to reveal myself to you in my Word. And I want to do that work. The Spirit wants to do that work in you and through you, giving you a greater understanding of Himself. He wants you to listen to his voice as he prompts you moment by moment. He wants to speak to you, and he wants you to listen to him. I'm not talking about big, booming, audible voice. I'm talking about in the stillness of your soul, he wants to speak to you. The God of all things speaks. He wants to speak to you. Are we listening he wants to walk with you, and he wants you to walk with him as he joins with you in everyday life. Every moment of the day, he wants to be with you. When you are at home with your family, he wants to be with you and near you. When you are at work, he wants to be present in your life and working in your life as you engage with your coworkers or your boss or your employees. He wants to be with you, carrying out the will of God in your life. He wants you to experience his life-giving power manifested in you through his gifts. This is what we're going to talk about for the rest of this series. This is where we're going to camp out for the next six weeks. He wants to produce mission-advancing, life-giving power in you and through you. He, He wants to do that. He wants you to feel his presence in comfort when you are suffering and in kindness when you were rejoicing. Now that one for some of you is really hard. Right, right there you got uncomfortable. I said the word feel. Okay? He wants you to feel his presence. For some of you are like, no, 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 no. The word of God, theological truth, we just need to know. We just need to know in our mind. We just know. Like that's, that's what we need. I don't need to feel anything. I just need to know. I just need to know the word. The God of all things wants you to feel his presence. He wants to be your comfort in your moment of sorrow, in your moment of pain. He wants you to feel comfort through the power of the Spirit. In your rejoicing, he wants you to feel the gratitude and thankfulness of his mercy because every good and perfect gift is from his hands. He wants you to experience that. He wants you to feel his presence in your life. He wants to engage with you all of the time. All the time. 
every, every moment of your day, he wants to be engaging with you. He wants to be helping you. But here's what we do. Here's what we do. We say, okay, I believe, because the Bible says so, that God lives in me, that Christ has taken up residence inside of my heart, like the Spirit of God lives in me. I believe that. I believe that he, the Spirit is the helper, right? That's not new information for most of us, right? That he, he wants to help me. Okay, I, I got that, okay? And so I'm going to go through my life. Oh, wait, hang on. You stay there. This thing in my marriage is blowing up. i got to handle this. I'll come back to you in a minute. Why? Why do, why do we say, no, 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 this one's too big. I've got to handle it. This thing with my family is going crazy, and i just got to handle it. So, so I'm just going to hit pause on my relationship and the intimacy that I'm developing with the Spirit of God, and i got to deal with this thing with my family. i got to deal with this thing with my work. i got to deal with this thing with my finances. Just, just hold up for a second while I take care of this. This is what we do. This is, this is, this is the, the flaw of every human being. I see it all over the place. In the church, outside of the church, I see it constantly. We know the truth. We know that he wants to engage. We know that he, that he helps us, but we reject the help. We say, no, 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 I've got this one. I've, this, is, this is important. I've got I've to do this. And we, we, we fail to develop an intimacy. Say, hey, come with me as I engage in this. And so we end up quenching the spirit, as uh, Paul says in, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. We quench the spirit. And, and one of the ways that we quench the spirit is just by living in sin. And so one of the first things the Spirit helps us with is, is finding freedom from sin. For so long, so many of us have, have gone through this cycle of sin where it's the same sin for you for years. For years you've been battling the same sin over and over and over and over again. It's like, why can I not stop this? Because you don't have the power to do that. But he does. That is what that Galatians text that we read earlier says. In verse 16, Paul says, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of your flesh. Why can't I stop doing this? You can't. But the Spirit of God can. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. Verse 18, But... If you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. That verse, one sentence, one tiny little sentence, has so much profound truth for your life. We are under the law. We're under the law. There are things that the God of all things has commanded us. Do not do these things. Do these things. We're under that. And so many of us are trying with all of our might to, to be faithful and to be obedient and failing miserably all of the time. What Paul is saying is, if you, are, if you are led by the Spirit, if you're led by the Spirit, you're free from that. Because the Spirit's going to produce that in you. He's going to produce it in you. It's not your work to do, it's His work to do. And so, so we follow the Spirit in our life, right? He lists um, these, these desires of the flesh, all of these different things. Life is a moral minefield. Everywhere you look, there are minds that, that, that just one misstep, and boom. You've quenched the spirit. You've endangered and, and, and worsened your relationship with Jesus because of one mistake. For some of you, it's like first thing in the morning, before you even get out of bed, the first thing you do is you reach for your phone. 
And he began perusing social media, trying to, to build, either A, build a better picture of yourself. Say, no, I am worthy. I am gonna, I'm going to post this thing to show everybody I am good today. I, I've got it under control today. Or you're looking at it and saying, man, I'm just not good. Oh, I'm never going to be good enough. Oh, I'm just, and you live your days rejected and tired and weary because your identity is in something that is made up. It's make-believe. Or, or maybe you're perusing your favorite website or pictures of, of women or men and you're, you're lusting over these photographs and these images. Before you, before you ever step out of bed, you've already stepped on a mine that has, for the day, that it, for the day has quenched the spirit. For the day has it hindered your relationship with Jesus. And you want to live this life of power and goodness and delight. You want to experience joy and love and self-control. And yet you're ruining it by stepping on landmines everywhere you go. Because we refuse to be led by the Spirit. What if I told you that across the street was a place of complete, total joy and delight? security, the fullness of hope. It's right across the street, man. It's right across the street. All you got to do is cross the street. But Satan has filled the street with landmines. They're buried underneath the ground. I mean, they're everywhere. And he knows the ones that you struggle with. He knows where to place them. He knows you're going to step on them. But all you got to do is get across the street. You have a choice. You can go alone, or you can go with a helper who knows where every single mind is guaranteed. What do you choose? It's a dumb question, I know. And yet every day, all day, we are saying, hang on, I got this. Okay, lead me. All right, coming with you. Oh, wait, hang on. I got to deal with this. You stay there. I'm going to, oh, right? Again and again and again and again, just blowing ourselves to pieces. Like all of the time. What is wrong with us? The Spirit of God wants to say, no, 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 Come this way. This is the way to goodness. This is the way to self-control. This is the way to joy. This is the way to kindness. This is the way to, to life in Christ. Don't go that way. Come over here. The Spirit reveals our sin to us instantly so that when we do step on it, we actually realize we stepped on it because sometimes it's like this scentless gas. We don't even know. We're like breathing it in. Like we didn't even see it. But he says, no, 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 you just stepped on a mine. We're like, okay, I'm sorry. I confess. We can quickly confess. We say, I'm sorry. Let's, let's, let's turn back. Let's restore a right relationship with Jesus. And then he also points it out in advance. He says, I know, I know, I know you think that you want that, but you don't want it. I know that you think that you need to, that you need to fight back because that person said the thing, but you don't need to fight back. You don't need to go there. You don't need to be angry. Find the peace of Christ. He leads us moment by moment. He wants to be engaged as we build an intimate relationship with him. He wants to develop in us supernatural Christ-likeness. Not just, hey, avoid these minds, right? He wants to say, all right, let's, let's work. Because some of these minds you can't avoid. There are people in your life that Satan has placed there that you, that you have to engage with. It's not, a, it's not a mistake that that person at work drives you crazy and knows exactly what to say in order to do so. 
and you have to engage with them. There's times with your spouse where, where Satan is going to stir up the, the, the kind of the fury of your spouse, and you have to engage. You have to engage. The Spirit wants to be with you in that too. Galatians 5, 22 through 23, we read it earlier. But the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy, peace, patience, and kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. These are not things that we produce, right? Fruit doesn't produce fruit. Okay, as we develop intimacy with the Spirit, as we attach ourselves to Him, we say, man, I am yours, lead me and guide me, manifest your presence in my life, show me, teach me, I need you moment by moment. These things are produced in us, not through us. We, we don't produce them. He produces them. He does this work. He does this, this supernatural work of making us look more like Jesus. It's supernatural fruit. It's not run-of-the-mill, everyday kindness. Not run-of-the-mill, everyday love or joy. It's supernatural. It's different. Everybody, everybody can love. Everybody can extend kindness. This is different. Charles Stanley, in his book, The Wonderful Spirit for Life, gave this list, and it's always stuck in my mind. He says, it's love for those who do not love in return. Joy in the midst of painful circumstances. Peace, when something you were counting on does not come through. Patience, when things aren't going fast enough for you. I mean, I feel that one. Yeah, I can lose patience so quickly. Kindness towards those who treat you unkindly. Goodness towards those who have been intentionally insensitive to you. Everybody can be good. At times, right, every, every child can be taught to be good and to be kind until they're punched or bitten or the toy is taken away from them. Everybody can be good. Everybody can be kind. The Spirit has to produce supernatural goodness. Faithfulness when friends have proved unfaithful. Gentleness towards those who have handled you roughly. Everybody can be gentle. Right? The, the worst people can like, be gentle with like, a, a newborn baby or a child. But are we gentle when people handle us roughly? When, people, when, when your friend or somebody at work intentionally stabs you in the back, intentionally wrongs you or steals your account or says something horrible about you. Hey man, what you did, what you said, man, that was hurtful. Are you okay? What it tells me, I mean, is something, something going on with you? Are, you? are you okay? What you did there wasn't okay. And what it tells me is there might not be something going on with you. Are, are you frustrated with something? Is there something I can do to help you? Like, that's supernatural kindness. That doesn't come normal to us. Self-control in the midst of intense temptation. Men, the Spirit of God wants to help you flourish. Do not be foolish in thinking that you can achieve this on your own. Do not, do not be foolish in thinking that you can produce the promises of God in your life. We're dependent on Him. And that's really the first step of all of this, is understanding and seeing our dependency upon Him. 
and saying, Spirit, I need you in my life. I need you to produce the fruit and the power, the gifts in my life. I cannot do this on my own. I need you to draw me near. I need you to develop an intimate relationship with me as I work to develop an intimate relationship with you. I'm going to challenge you. Do not try to be a good person. Now, what pastor is going to tell you that? Do not try to be a good person. That's not the goal of faith in Jesus. Do not try to be kind. Do not try to be joyful. It's a waste of your time. Try to develop intimacy with the Spirit of God. He's going to produce those things in you and through you. How do we do this? Quickly. Two things. When my relationship with the Spirit of God is, is struggling, right, which, which every relationship does, right, there's, there's people in your life who are, you were good, close friends, and over time, it's kind of, you've lost touch. You haven't been calling them as much. You haven't been engaging as much. And then what, what I do is I set a timer on my phone for every hour of the day, once every hour, right, which takes a long time to set up, by the way, um, and every hour of the day, it just, just, just vibrates in my pocket, right, no, no sound, nobody, nobody, not disrupting anybody or disrupting anything, right, just, it just buzzes in my pocket, and it reminds me every hour, Josh, you are dependent on the Spirit of God in whatever you're doing right now, whether I'm with my kids, whether I'm with my wife, whether I'm with the staff here at church, whether I'm, I'm counseling somebody, whether I'm frustrated and angry, whether I'm happy and joyful, it reminds me you are dependent on the Spirit for everything you're doing right now. And so I pause and I just, this Holy Spirit, would you reveal yourself to me? Would you show me? And maybe I'm trying to make a decision. Hey, would you, would you lead me and guide me? Would you reveal my sin to me? Would you give me a greater understanding of my brokenness? and a greater treasuring of Christ? Would you produce your gifts in me? Would you create me a longing for those gifts? The other thing that's been really helpful recently is the Lenten journey that we've been doing. I'm not saying this just to plug it. Like when we first created it, I thought, oh, I hope this will be a helpful tool for Flourishing Grace. Um, but for me, it's, been an, it's had a big impact on, on me and my relationship with the Spirit. Every day at the end of the, of the Lenten journey, so it's a daily email, you can sign up for it online, flourishinggrace.org slash Lent, um, and you get it every day during Lent. At the end, there's, a, there's, a, there's what's called the daily office. It was created by St. Ignatius a long time ago. And St. Ignatius understood this idea that there's supposed to be this intimate relationship with Jesus. Was, and we, we talk to Jesus when we pray. We talk to Jesus like he's a friend, like he's right there in the chair in the room. And so it, it, the daily office is kind of the step-by-step guide of, kind of inviting the Spirit to look back at your day, seeing the areas where he was moving, seeing the areas where he was active, seeing the areas where your sin prevailed, where temptation overcame you, and then looking forward to the next day. Say, man, I need you in this. I need you to draw me near. I need you to develop an intimacy with you. And friends, what I want you to understand today is intimacy is the groundwork for power. We're going to get into it. We're going there next week. It's going to get crazy in a good way. But for some of you, the idea of the gifts of the Spirit will just be an idea. It'll never be anything you experience because there's no intimacy. 
If you wonder why, why have I never experienced these, 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 these gifts of the Spirit? Why have I never experienced this, this power of God in my life? Intimacy is the foundation for the work of the Spirit in your life. If, if there's no intimacy, and I'm, I mean moment by moment intimacy, there will be no power in your life. So let us draw near to the Spirit of God. Let us remind ourselves that He is in us and He exists in us. He is trying. He's trying to help us. Let us not be a people who reject His help, but let us be a people who draw near to Him. Let me pray for us. Jesus, we come before you this morning. And I know that for some of us in this room, the moment we begin to speak of your Spirit, there's a discomfort. Maybe even a distrust. We've never I've never experienced that, never seen that. It's because we've never been intimate with you. We've never drawn near to the Spirit of God. We've never listened to his voice. We try to do it all on our own, under our own power. Pushing our own lives forward, blowing in our own sails, wasting our time, wasting our lives. I pray that over the next few weeks, Holy Spirit, that you would produce something here at Flourishing Grace that would be truly miraculous, truly supernatural, that you would humble us, that you would break us, ruin us, drive us into a deeper and deeper relationship with you, that you'd produce intimacy in our lives. Reveal our need for you, our desperation, our dependency on you, moment by moment. We listen for your voice. That we follow you. Pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.